0: Podcast for people, Father, Jesus. What's going on, everyone? My name is Brian Williams, and I am the pastor of Restoration Church in Traverse City, Michigan. Thanks so much for allowing us into your digital life and tuning in to this message. If you'd like to get involved with anything we have going on, you can do so at RestorationTC.com. While you're there, you can find out about events, get to know a little bit more about what we believe, and you can also give a donation. Now, we're set up a little different than most in that we have a community account where 100% of your donation goes directly back into the community, both locally and globally. We've partnered with organizations like Freedom Builders here in Traverse City, World Orphans, and Charity Water. We also have an overhead account that helps fund the mission and vision of the church. Our vision is people following Jesus, and our mission is transparency, community, and change. Thanks again for checking out the message. Now let's get to it. There's a small gathering around where the last door of the city gate was finally put in place. And as soon as that door went up... However, that sounded, the door goes up, and then there's a loud cheer. Everybody's starting to celebrate because it's finally finished. The wall is complete. They are done with this project. The leaders are all gathering around each other. They're high fiving one another, like, yeah, we did it, you know? And then, as soon as that's over, as soon as that last piece goes up, everything scatters. Everybody just goes back to where they were. It's like church on Sunday morning, (laughs) right after the service, especially if it's a heavy one. Or the preacher didn't do too good of a job, and they just, I don't want to make eye contact with the preacher today. he I don't know. I, there's not enough lies I can muster to say he did a good job on that one. Uh, everybody just scatters. Everybody leaves the building immediately. It's like that. So they get the last wall up. They get the last pieces in place. The leaders are all high-fiving each other, and all the lay people, the people that came to work on the wall together, that were defending the wall, that were working on the wall, they're like... Peace out, we're going home. And they leave, and they go back to their homes, back to their villages outside of Jerusalem. See, there wasn't much for them in Jerusalem. They had homes that they had to get back to. They had fields that they had to get back to. And so once their job is done, they're like, okay, we'll see you later. You guys got it from here. And now the leaders are all looking around like, whoa, now what? We're, We're... what are we, we going to do? There's no more people. That's where we find ourselves in Nehemiah chapter 11. The wall's done. Uh, but there's still some things that are going to be happening. Don't think that we're closing out the sermon today, or the series today. We've got today. I wish we were closing out the series today, because today ends on a high note. Then we've still got one more chapter. Ugh. There's always one more chapter. So uh, if you got a Bible, turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 11. We're going to do chapters 11 and 12, but here's the deal. Chapter 11, we're reading two verses. Two verses in chapter 11 and about 20 in in chapter 12, and we're going to get to the why. So at this point, they've got the wall done. Let's see what happens here. One moment now. Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem. All the leaders lived there. And the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. And the people, uh, and the people, blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. Those were the first two verses. They needed some willing volunteers. They needed some people. The leaders are looking around and they're like, uh, the city's pretty empty. <laughs> Uh, we need some more people to live in this city. We we, we need defenses. We need people who are going to take care of the city. We need people who are going to make this city their home. It's not enough that we built the walls of the city. Now we need people to come in here. And so they they do what they do. Rock, paper, scissors to get this thing done. All right, we're going to have a giant rock, paper, scissors tournament. Uh, one out of every single little... um. Well, one out of ten uh, y'all y'all are gonna have to come come here. One out of ten families, uh, you're gonna have to come live in the city. I don't know how they were able to make that be the 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 thing going forward like you guys are going to have to do this but that's another sermon for another day all right so they they gather up and they're like all right uh the giant giant tournament of rock paper scissors let's go that's basically what casting lots was flipping a coin whatever it was is the ancient version of this impartial way to uh to to get a judgment on something to 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 get something to give something whatever it was so so here we have this huge rock paper scissors tournament oh. We got to move our family, right? So, all right, family, we got to go live in Jerusalem. And it says that there was a few of them that actually went voluntarily, voluntarily. They willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. There is a blessing for those to live in Jerusalem. This was a big, big deal, if you lived outside of the city, man that was okay because you you had land, you had you had farmland and that was a big agricultural thing in that time. So you wanted to have land. you wanted to be able to sell all this kind of stuff. To live in the city, man, they, they built the walls, the walls are built, the temples built. But but now we've got to build jobs, we've got to build homes, we've got to build uh, roads, we've got to, there, there's so much infrastructure that has to be done in this city. So no wonder they're like, all right, uh, wall's done, that's all you ask us new, do, we're out. <laughs> and they go, right? Because there is so much work yet to be done. And think about what this would mean for them. This isn't just like, hey, we're going to go into the city for a little while. You and I, we don't really get that, right? Oh, I'm just going to drive into Traverse City. I'm going to drive into whatever city I'm going into because I got to get some supplies. I got to do this. I got to do that. Man, it was a big deal. You didn't just drive in. You had to pack up your camels. It was a, it could have been, depending on where you live, it could have been a couple days to get there. There's, there's robbers. There's things that you've got to worry about on the way and on the way back, getting all your stuff there. This is not an easy plan to, to to go forward with and so when there were people who were willingly going to say yeah we'll we'll go man they hats off to them they were like oh man you guys are cream of the crop do you want a place to look like, like let's give you something to do let's give you a place to live man the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in jerusalem there's something about volunteering for service to be like no you don't have to draft me to go live there i'll do it willingly Don't you think that that had a special place for a guy like Nehemiah? Somebody who had a a, a palace position. Somebody who who, who didn't have to be in Jerusalem. Who was the cupbearer to the king. Cushy life. Lives in the palace, has a great job. The corner office high on the window, you know, high, high window. You know what I'm trying to say. The corner office with the windows that overlooks the entire uh, empire. Man, that's the the Cush job that he's got. Access to the king, whatever he needs, and he decides to leave. Don't you think that these people in verse 2, all the men who are willingly offering to live in Jerusalem, Nehemiah is going to be like, that's my boy. Those are the people that I'm going to do this with because, man, those People get it. The other ones, we're going to cast lots for them. They're going to do rock, paper, scissors to try to see who, who gets to go and more specifically, more importantly, who gets to stay with their families. They needed willing volunteers. Think about this. In order to live in Jerusalem... They would have had to exchange their material things. That means that they would have had to give up all of their land. Man, especially if you worked hard for that land. You finally got your piece of property. You finally got what you want. And now you're going to give that all up because you got to go into the city. It's a big deal. You're going to exchange your material things. You're going to take a pay cut to go there. And it's going to be difficult work. And not as it, only is it going to be difficult work, but you're also going to be rearranging your social priorities. Man, you've got this place outside of town uh, overlooking the... the the, the valley, and and you've got the nice setup, you've finally set up your TV, you're good to go, you invite all your buddies over to watch football because you all live in the same town, and now you're moving your family to a whole new place where you don't know anybody, and it's a completely different setting surrounding, you're going to live in the city instead of out with your own land. You're going to rearranging your social priorities. you got to leave your friends and your family behind. Remember, no way to, to, that's easy to get back and visit your friends. It's not going to be something where it's, hey, come on over for the weekend, you know, whatever that is. It's, it's like, man, I'm saying goodbye. They had to rearrange their social priorities. They had to endure problems in the city. Like I said, remember, this was a ghost town for 70 years. This place was, was buried under rubble for 70 years. This city had been neglected for 70 years. Do you ever go into the basement uh, and if your kids have the basement and then you haven't gone down there for a few days, you go down there and there's like stuff growing on on clothing. There's stuff like, how long, we haven't even bought Coke Zero in three weeks. How do you still have a Coke Zero down here? We, we, we haven't been to Chick-fil-A. Why do you still have a cup from Chick-fil-A that had a milkshake in it? Right? You, you, you leave for a few days and you come back and you're like, oh my word. Imagine being gone for 70 years it's like those apocalyptic movies i don't know what i'm trying to say or how i'm trying to say it today you can watch those movies where it's like we haven't been back to here for 15 years and then you go back and it's overgrown and there's stuff all over the place like whenever the power goes out or whatever and 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 all of humanity was gone for the last 15 years and there's like everything's rusted out and gone think about that 70 years They worked on the wall. They worked on some of these things. Yeah, some of it's cleaned up, but man, there's still a lot of work that needs to get done. So you're leaving your material things. You're leaving your friends and family and you're going into a city that needs a lot of work to get done. Not only that, but now you're living with a target on your back. Oh, you live in Jerusalem now. Oh, armies are going to hear about this. Wait, Jerusalem, that rebel city? We're going to take them on. They're living with a target from whole armies, not just robbers, not just Tobiah and and uh, whoever the other guy was. So it's escaping me in this moment. And you tell me what it is right now. And I have my Bible. I only have my iPad. Those guys who were who were offending them and 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 um, uh, uh, opposing them, the opposition. Th- these are now whole armies. So it was a big deal for some of them to say, yeah, I'll go do that. Oh, it's going to be hard work. I'm not going to have a very good place to live. I'm going to have to say goodbye to my family and friends and i got to give up the farm. Sign me up. No wonder people weren't jumping at the chance. No wonder people had to do rock, paper, scissors in order to get there. In order to see the glory that God has for us, man, sometimes you just got to do the small things and sacrifice. Too many of us want to hold on to what we're holding on to. We don't want to give up anything in order to, to see something succeed, to see the glory of something. We just want to keep all of these things intact and, and keep holding on to it. But in order to see what God has for us, man, we got to go where God calls us. We got to go where God calls. Where has God been calling you in the, in this series of Rebuild? We've been talking about this actually quite a bit, and, and, and hopefully some of you have answered that call, whether it's in your own workplaces, whether it's in your family, whether it's in whatever church it is that you attend to, if it's restoration, hopefully it's there, if it's somewhere else, man, is God calling you to step up and, and, and be somewhere? Where are you being called to go? God is calling you to go somewhere. Where is it? And and are you leaving the rest of it behind? Are you willing to sacrifice uh, social relationships? Are you willing to sacrifice your job, material things? Are you willing to sacrifice the work that it's going to require, um, the, the energy that it's going to require to get the work done? And, and are you willing to go where God calls you, even though you're going to be a target moving forward? Or are we going to have to do some rock, paper, scissors to see who's going to come along on the ride? Man, I love... I, I, I love in the New Testament, uh, there's a story of of Jesus sharing some some pretty wild stuff. It's it's in John chapter six. He's talking about uh, <laughs> he he he's sharing with uh, people, the disciples, people who are following him, uh, the people who would be called his disciples. He he's he's sharing about uh, basically what what we know as communion. But remember, this is before the cross. This is before everything. And he's sa- he's saying that you are going to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the people are like uh, this is some weird call. We're out. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and he's like, are you guys going to go too? And Peter's response, I mean, he's an idiot for most. <laughs> I mean, can we say that about Peter? He, he, he had some words, you know, um, he wasn't like he, he, he spoke too soon often, but this time he, he actually got it right. Okay. Peter basically is just like, man, where are we going to go? Where, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We are putting all of our value in you, Jesus. Where, where would you expect us to go? Man, you have the answers to life. And is that our response when God calls us to go somewhere? And when things get difficult, are we thinking, man, where are we going to go? Where else could we go? You are the only thing we desire, and we'll put up with anything to make it happen. It's like that old story of, of, of burning the ships, or burning the, not the ships, is it burning, burning the, you know, the port. Uh, ships go out to sea, so you don't want to burn your ship. Uh, and they would burn the ports beforehand, so I mean, we are not going back here. Again, you can tell me what that was. Go ahead, tell me. What, I, I don't know. Are we all in to go where God calls us to go? Peter simply asked the question, I mean, wh- where are we going to go? Jesus, you've, you've got the answer to all of this. And that means more to me than what friends I'm keeping, what job I have, how much work it's going to take, and who might be attacking me. goes on through um, verses basically 3 through chapter 12, 26. This is crazy. Uh, Chapter 11, verse 3, all the way through chapter 12, verse 26, is lists of people after people after people that uh, came into the city to be a part of the city. So they they cast lots, uh, a few people volunteered, and and thousands of them come into the city. And basically, from 11, 3, all the way to 12, 26, It's a whole bunch of of lists of all the people assembling. There's valiant men to protect the city. There's worship leaders. There's preachers. There's teachers. There's temple workers. There's gatekeepers all coming in to be a part of the city, to do something with the city, to do what they're called to do. And that's my next point, man. Do what God calls. Go where God calls and then do what God calls. It's not enough just to go where God calls and be like, all right, here we are. We showed up. What do you need? Yeah, never mind, I'm going to be sitting here on the couch just hanging out. Uh, I'm going to go where God calls me, but I'm not actually going to do what God calls me to do. It'd be like showing up at work, but not actually doing anything, right? Like your presence is just enough that you're there. Like, all right, you know, you walk into the to the office and you're like, don't everybody, uh, d- 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 calm down, everybody. I'm here now. And then you sit at your desk and you just Facebook, Twitter, Uh, What what, TikTok, I don't know, Uh, news, ESPN, and and you don't actually do any work. Man, do what God calls you to do. Some of us have gotten to where God has called us to go, but then we just sit down like, boy, that was a long journey to get there. That was a lot of work for us to get all the way over here. Boy, I am beat. Never mind, I'm not going to do what God calls me to do now because I'm, I'm just too tired to do it now. You don't get you don't get merit just for arriving at work, do you? Your boss doesn't come into your office and be like, "Hey, Tom, uh, so glad you made it in today." That's all. <laughs> do whatever you want to do now, man. There's work to be done, and, and, and people. Restoration Church, are you listening? Are you you got me? Okay, but stop looking at Facebook for a second. Stop looking at your phone, unless I'm on your phone. But keep driving if you're driving. Maybe pull over. Okay. All I'm trying to say is there's still work to be done at Restoration Church. There's still work to be done in this community. There's still work to be done uh, in, 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 in our environment. People all around us still need to know who Jesus is. There's still work to be done. So congratulations, getting to where God's called you to be. But now, are we doing what God's called us to do? Verses three through through chapter 12 20, and verse 26 are all the people arriving and then what? Actually doing the work that they're called to do. So is that what we're doing, church? And, and maybe you're there, maybe you're here, but you don't know exactly what it is you're supposed to do. Maybe you've gotten here and and and, and you knew that you were supposed to be here and now you're like, okay, now what am I supposed to do? What What is God calling me to do now? I, I'm here. Now what? I, I, I was reading through a commentary uh, this week, and it said, what you complain about is probably what God's gifting you in. What you're complaining about is probably the job that God's calling you to do. Okay, so if you complain about the worship music, um, you know what? Maybe that's your calling. Maybe you're supposed to be involved in worship ministry. If you're complaining that we don't do enough outreach, man, maybe you're supposed to be involved in outreach. If you complain that uh, our church is not very organized, I, I get that. I'm-, I'm there with you, all right? And I'm not gifted in it, uh, and I don't know what I'm doing. So uh, maybe, maybe you're like, oh, boy, I-, I wish Brian would just get it together. Get things together. Like, get organized, Brian. If that's you, if you've said those words before, I would love to chat. That with you I really really would what you complain about is probably what God has put on your heart what you're gifted in and what you're passionate about because we're only gonna complain about what we're passionate about you know what I don't complain about the Green Bay Packers why because I don't care about the Green Bay Packers. You know what I do care about? The Detroit Lions. So I'm going to continue to care about the Detroit Lions. Never mind that I have ulterior motives at this point, because every single Sunday that I seem to complain about the Detroit Lions, they seem to win. Ah, you know, I'm going to keep that streak going. Let's see if they do it against Minnesota. If not, I'll stop talking about them. But, you know, there's a little bit of superstition there, maybe just a little bit. Like, hey, you know what? I'm going to use my sermons to make the Lions get to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think that's what Jesus would want what you complain about is probably what God has gifted you in so what is it what's that thing that just bothers you maybe it's something I do maybe it's something the church isn't doing and you're like gosh I just wish the church would dot 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 and if you're willing to stand up and complain about it be willing to stand up and do something about it. Now, to be fair, everybody that's watching online, our church does not consist of people just coming up to me on Sunday mornings being like, I think we should do this. I think we should do that. We should be doing that better. doesn't happen, all right? That's not that's not the picture that I want to paint here for you guys, uh, but what I'm saying is is maybe internally there's some of those things that are happening where it's like, man, I just I, I wish we were a little bit better. I know there's things I'm deficient in. Uh, I can name about 50 of them probably off the top of my head. Not going to because I don't have time. And I don't want to. And it's going to take a community to, to keep pushing forward. So are you in? Are you where God's called you to go? And are you doing what God's called you to do? So that's the entire list. That's the rest of chapter 11 and about half of chapter 12. Now let's pick it up in verse 27 in Nehemiah chapter 12. This is where it gets cool, as if it hasn't already. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving, and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. That's going back to, not lyres, like L-I-A-R-S, it's, it's an instrument. This is going back to the time of Solomon when, when he dedicated the temple. Again, same thing. A lot of similarities between what Solomon did and what they're doing here. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the districts surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of the Netophathites. Netophathites. Does that sound right? Also from Beth Gilgal and from the region of Geba and and Asmaveth. For the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem. They didn't want to live in the city. They were happy being around the city. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates. And the wall. So they had this this gathering together of everybody. We're going to prepare for this. We're going to have a celebration. Uh, That's what the next few verses are going to be. We're going to be having this celebration. We need to get all the Levites. We need to get all the worship leaders. We need to get all the preachers in here. Man, we're going to have a celebration for what God has done. But before we do that, we need to prepare for this. Let's get everything together. Let's talk about what we're going to do. And most importantly, we need to purify ourselves, the people, and the gates, and the wall, the priests and the Levites. I'm gonna go to that verse. The priests and the Levites they purified themselves. It started with themselves. It's like going on the airline, right? And, and and what's the first thing they say when that whole I don't know if it's the first thing, but that pre pre uh, pre check flight pre check flight thing. You know whatever they talk about the the people the um, what are they what are they stewardesses the uh, flight attendants. There we go. I don't think they're called stewardesses anymore. The flight attendants, right? They um. They talk about the mask, you know, get the mask, and and, 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 and in case of a a drop in cabin pressure, the mask is going to fall down. Put it on yourself before you put it on anybody else. It's counter uh, counterintuitive to what you would actually do. you were thinking, man, I got to serve other people, but you can't unless you have that mask on yourself. So it says here that the priests and the Levites purified themselves first. Man, we got to get ourselves right before God, before we get anybody else right with God. Before we purify anybody else, man, we got to purify ourselves. And this is the number one thing I think I see when preachers get caught in sin is they're so busy working on purifying other people that they neglect themselves. They start eating all the sin of other people, and this starts to make them feel worse and worse and worse. And instead of purifying themselves, taking care of themselves, man, they keep getting exhausted. They keep getting tired. They keep working harder and harder and harder until they flame out, they burn out, or they sin out. They've got this huge celebration that they're about to plan. Man, that weekend service is going to be so big. And there's going to be so many people counting on me. I can't let them know. What I've done. And you start negotiating with yourself one thing leads to another and then you're compromised and then your ministry's compromised and Satan's taken out another one because we haven't taken the time as leaders in the church to purify ourselves first see they're planning this giant celebration but they're not neglecting their own hearts in the process Man, if you're a leader in Restoration Church, or if you're thinking about becoming a leader in Restoration Church, step one, priests and the Levites, those of us who are going to be leaders in the church, purify ourselves. Go before the throne. Confess sin. What we talked about last week, there's conviction, there's cleansing, and then there's celebration. There can't be one without the other. So confess before God. Take time to do it today. the church needs you man we could use the help organizationally and we're going to get to a list here in a little bit we could use the help but we're not going to sacrifice we're not going to sacrifice god's standard of living in order to plug holes to fill needs So I beg of you, I beg of me, for us to just completely consecrate ourselves, completely cleanse ourselves from the sin, from unrighteousness, from things that we've done. It's the most important step, and it's the first one. So they purify themselves, they purify the people, and then they purified the gates and the wall. This is kind of unusual. They don't usually do this kind of stuff, but they're like, we're going to dedicate this entire thing. We're, we're, all of this is dedicated to God. Verse 31. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. One went to the south on the wall to the dung gate. And after them went Hosea, uh, Hoshiah, and half of the leaders of Judah, and Azariah, uh, Ezra, Meshalam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, and Jeremiah, and, and uh, certain other priests' sons with trumpets, Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, son of Shemaiah, son of Madaniah, son of Micaiah, son of Zachar, and son of Asaph, and his relatives, Shemaiah, Azarel, Milalai, Gilalai, Mai, Nathan- Nathanel. Judah, and Hanani, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God. And Ezra the scribe went before them. So you've got Ezra leading this group of people. They went on the south wall, and and, and they went up. At the fountain gate, they went up straight before them by the stairs of the city of David, at the ascent of the wall above the house of David to the water gate on the east side. The other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north, and I followed them with half the people on the wall above the tower of the ovens to the broad wall, and above the gate of Ephraim, and by the gate of Yeshana, and by the fish gate, and the tower of Hananel, and the tower of the hundred, to the sheep gate. And they came to a halt at the gate of the guard. So both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God, and I and half of the officials with me. And the priests Eliakim, Masai, <laughs> Miniamin, Micaiah, Elionai, Zechariah, and Hananiah with the trumpets, and Messiah, Masiah, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Uzi, Jehonahan, that's a fun one, uh, Melchijah, Elam, and Ezer, and the singers sang with Jezrehiah as their leader. So they have two groups of people, right? Uh, They they had two different groups march along the the two separate routes to meet at the temple. They meet at the temple. So one group was led by Ezra, another group was led by Nehemiah. Now, as they're describing this, remember this, remember back to chapter three, Nehemiah chapter three, maybe you were here, maybe you weren't. Nehemiah, it's when Nehemiah shows up at the wall and, um, and he wants to see for himself a firsthand account of the shape that the wall is in. And so he does his little night scout, right? And, and he's looking through the whole thing. And, and, and we just imagine tears coming down his face as he's watching uh, and, and seeing the destruction of a city that he loves so much. Seeing it in so much disarray, so much chaos, so much just, just uh, burdened by the weight of what was happening. And it spurred him to do something. And so he looks around the entire wall at night and he comes back and says, all right, guys, we got to get this taken care of. And now, just 52 days later, not even two months later, now there's a procession of people walking along the wall. And Nehemiah is probably flashing back to when he took that little night scout all the way around and seeing all these broken places. And now instead of tears of sorrow and shame walking around this wall. Now he's got tears of joy and glory walking around this wall, seeing what God had done. All of this is now repaired, seeing the work that it was completed and just complete joy. Tears of joy are are coming down his face as he's walking around and they're singing praises. How much different, man, what does that look like in our own lives, right? When we look inside of ourselves, just look back. and, And hopefully this was a while ago for you, but hopefully... Man, you look back at your life and you're like, oh man, I remember when it was in turmoil. I remember when it was in shambles. I remember when when just... Life wasn't going well. And since I've dedicated my life to Christ, man, he's rebuilt my entire life. This whole rebuild has been happening for so long now. And now there's so much joy. There's so much happiness with what God has done in my life. Hopefully we can look back. We can see that we've done the work, that God has done the work in us. We've partnered with him in the work. We've renewed our minds in uh, uh, Romans twelve two, And we have... Um, we, we've given ourselves over to him. And there's joy. And we see the progress made. Man, sometimes God's going to remind us of where we were so that we can celebrate where we are. And I love that picture of them worshiping along the gates or along the walls as they head up to the temple remembering all that God had done through that all the all the difficult things that they went through and then they meet together all together as one at the temple verse 43 and they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced for God had made <clears throat> had made them rejoice with great joy the women and children also rejoiced and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away Everybody gathered together, the entire city, people from all over the place. They gathered together and they worshiped. They offered sacrifices on that day and they rejoiced. They had a worship service where they just celebrated what God had done on Christmas Eve, we're going to be celebrating together. Do you like that plug? Christmas Eve, we're celebrating together at the brewery. This is going to be very casual. This is going to be very light. We're going to bring some food in, not like heavy food, just some appetizers. And and we're just going to have a night of celebrating from 4.30 to 6 o'clock at the brewery at Right Brain. If you want to come out and join us, the bar is going to be open. This is going to be a great time where we can uh, witness to people around us, say, hey, uh, in, invite friends, invite family, whoever you want to have, come out there, have a wonderful night with us where we're going to celebrate all. That God has done, we're going to celebrate the birth of our King, King Jesus. They're celebrating here, and I like that. The joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. There's no mixing words. Remember in um, in Ezra when they had were rebuilding the temple, they had kind of it was at the altar, um, or the the they had started working at it. Um, and, and they had this worship service, right? And, and, and remember, uh, it says that some of them were happy and some of them were sad. Some of them were blown away that God had brought them back to this thing. Some of them were blown away that God was doing what he was doing. Others were reminded of all the pain. And so they were just crying. They were just sad. And and, and the sound was heard from far away. And people couldn't really figure out like, are these people, are they happy? I, I I think I hear happiness and I think I hear sadness at the same time. I don't know what's going on there. Compared to this one again, remember, it's pure joy. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. Man, that's what carried around. Like the noises they were making was purely joyful. There was no mistake this time around. That was the sound of joy. This time it was the only sound. The only sound was of rejoicing. Can we say that about our lives? Is God doing a work in your life? Are you allowing him to do a work in your life? Or it's just joy. Realizing that everything we've done is covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. Everything we will do is covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. There's nothing we can add to this equation. There's nothing we can do. It's all about him and his glory. And that's what I find here in this passage too um, that we just read Those 10 to 12 verses or so, man, think about this. They could have celebrated Nehemiah. They could have celebrated Ezra. They could have celebrated the Levites, the worship leaders, all of these things. But instead of like uh, the, these two, two groups coming around and then coming to the temple and who's standing at the temple to receive all the praise, Nehemiah and Ezra, no, that's not what happened. Nehemiah and Ezra were the lead worshipers. They weren't the worship leaders, they were the lead worshipers. That meant that they were the ones that were leading the people in worship on their way to the temple, on their way to give glory to God. They were not there to celebrate themselves and the work that they did. They were going to celebrate the work that God did. Make no mistake. This was a day they rejoiced about God because God receives the glory. Whatever is going on in our lives, God receives the glory. Nehemiah could have been boastful about himself. Ezra could have been boastful about himself. Nehemiah could have been like, bro, we did this in 52 days. How many other people would have come in here and done this in 52 days? And then Ezra could have been like, dude, did you see when I read from the, from, from, from the scrolls? Like, oh my word, like people were just worshiping. They were, they were cut deep with the words that I was saying. You, man, they could have had a celebration of Nehemiah and Ezra, Ezra that day. They could have been like, holy cow, man. We got to celebrate Ezra and Nehemiah, but they didn't. Ezra and Nehemiah were simply the lead worshipers. And in our lives, we don't celebrate a pastor. We don't celebrate a building. We don't celebrate a church. We celebrate Jesus. We are people following Jesus. That's our vision at Restoration Church. People following Jesus. Not people following Brian. Not people following Restoration. Not people following fill in the blank. Beer? I don't, I don't know. We are people following Jesus. Jesus is glory. We don't brag. We have nothing to bring to the table. We have nothing that we can brag about. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.30 says this, and 31 says, And because of him, this is Paul writing, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who, be, who, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written... I think in Jeremiah, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. God gets the glory. Jesus gets the glory. Because of what Jesus done, we have wisdom from God. We get to know him because of what Jesus did. If you have seen me, you have seen the father. That's what Jesus says. We have wisdom from God and we get to know God because of what Jesus has done. We have righteousness, which means that we're justified. Righteousness just means that we're justified. We're in good moral standing before God. Remember, he became sin who knew no sin so that we might become his righteousness. His justification. We are sanctified because of Jesus Christ. We are set apart. We are made holy because of what Jesus Christ has done. And we are redeemed. We're given new life. We are rescued because of what Jesus has done. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We've got nothing. We bring nothing to the table. I don't care how much money I have. I don't care how much talent I have. I don't care how much good work I've done. If I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in the Lord Jesus Christ. No one can lay claim to what Jesus has done. Nobody even comes close about our accomplishments. And the moment we think that our accomplishments are actually worth something, we just need to see Jesus on the cross. And realize it was for me. And for my sin and for my shame. Jesus gets the glory. Last few verses. On that day... Men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes to gather into them the portions required by the law for the priests and for the Levites according to the fields of the towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. Hey, you should underline like that. Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. I don't know. Maybe just uh, rejoice over your preachers and you know. Whatever. That's the good Bible right there. Uh, <laughs> and they performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did the singers and the gatekeepers according to the command of David and his son Solomon for long ago in the days of David and Asaph there were directors of the singers and there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God and all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah gave the daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers and they set apart that which was for the Levites and the Levites set apart that which was for the sons of Aaron So Nehemiah, he's never one to take things slowly. He's like, all right, we're here together. We're here to celebrate. We're here to worship, and we're here to give. So y'all better start giving. Here's the thing. We all contribute. Tithing cheerfully and believing in the Levite's ability, they were willing to give, and we all contribute. I talked about this last week. I'm not going to go into great detail this week, but man, we all contribute. Uh, of our resources financially, of our, of our, of our time, um, whatever we have to, to tithe with our time, and from our talent. It's our treasures, our time, and our talent. We don't get to cherry pick one or the other because when we decide, oh, I'm going to just give, give of my, my talent, uh, but not my time or my treasure, we're neglecting two other things. God asks for all of us, He asks for all of us. And we all contribute. Remember, this is Restoration church is, is our church. It doesn't flourish unless we all contribute together. Man, lost people don't find Jesus unless we all contribute together. People don't show up on a Sunday morning unless we all contribute together, time, talent and treasure. And this is my mistake. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I I don't like this point. We all contribute. Even starting this church out, what I wanted to have was just this church that was like, okay, Brian's going to do most of the work and y'all just be a part of it and just like, this is my gift to you guys, right? And I've had it backwards. I always joke, the three most dangerous words a man can say, I've heard it from another preacher and I just stole it because I like it. Three most dangerous words somebody can say is, I got this. And what I have to face for myself is I don't got this. I can't do this on my own. And so again... I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for help. This I I was I was convicted over this message. Mostly because I know I'm not good at organizing, and I wanted to have this church that was just kind of loosey goosey. Let's just all kind of just get along, be together, whatever. Not really have any formal structure or anything. And man, over and over again, <laughs> I see the need for some formal structure. Don't worry, we're not changing too much, but man, I see in these two chapters. Nehemiah organized the people. said, okay, we got our Levites, we got our worship leaders, we got our priests, we got our people who are going to be at the gate, we got our men of valor who are going to protect everything. Let's get us into our group. Let's go where God's called us to go, and let's do what God's called us to do. Wherever we're gifted at, whatever we're called to do, let's go do it. And for me, man, I've been like, no, don't worry, I can take care of that. No, don't worry, I can take care of that. I don't want to burn you out. I don't want to make you sad. I don't want to make you leave. Don't worry, I'll take care of it. And here's the danger in this message is I can give this message and I can, I'm going to give you a list uh, of things to prayerfully consider partnering in with us. And, and here's the danger. All right. And, and I don't want to be the Holy spirit for you. I'm not going to try to convict you. I'm not going to try to guilt trip you into anything. All right. But here's the danger is that there's going to be a few who are already doing a lot for the church and they're going to hear this message and they're going to be like, man, I could do more. And that's not the point. And Restoration Church, we're doing a lot. I just need to organize us a little bit more <laughs> and get some things taken care of. The church is going to operate best when we all contribute. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says that that my job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And I've neglected that. I've been doing the work of the ministry and not equipping the saints. I've been preaching, but I haven't, let go of the handlebars to let somebody else take over this area or that area or whatever it is so I, I just want to ask that we be servants with with pure heart again purify ourselves a worshipful heart this is not about me, this is not about you a joyful heart, don't do it grumbling I don't want a grumbler and a generous heart cheerfully giving so with that would you prayerfully consider partnering? We need leaders in these areas. Right here, worship ministry. I'm yeah, we need a leader in worship ministry. We need a leader for our finance team. Somebody who can take a look at books and, and is really good administratively with all that kind of stuff. We need somebody who's gifted in hospitality that can take over just like the welcoming committee. We don't have a welcoming committee, but just being there to do those things. Somebody who can can lead people in, in doing that and making this be a hospitable place. For people to come in. Man, we need somebody who can be over community groups. Like just in, in general. If you want to lead a community group, that's great. But like that can that can uh, have communication with all the community groups. And, and discuss things with all community groups. And, and be on the same page with one another. Right now, again, that's me. We need somebody who can be over tech, AV, all that kind of stuff. Because, man, we've got some people doing it. But we need more. And we need somebody who can just take on that, that tech piece. And be like, you know what? I know this, I can handle this, and I'm willing to be there. And we need somebody who can just partner in prayer. Take a, a prayer ministry to a whole new level. We've got the space here at the chapel now. If you want to use that space to come in and pray, we would love for you to be able to do that. But we need somebody who's going to be over that as well. So those are things that I would love leadership in. Worship ministry, finance team, hospitality, community groups, tech, and prayer. Now, some of these are going to have different commitments. Worship ministry, that's a big-time commitment for Sunday mornings, all right? Uh, Finance team, that's more during the week type stuff, and there's also some Sunday morning stuff. Hospitality, that's going to be Sunday morning. Uh, Community groups, that's going to be throughout the week, whatever it looks like, not totally dependent on a weekend. Um, Tech, that's purely uh, Sunday morning, and then prayer. That can be throughout the week. And, and, and here's the thing. If, if it's worship ministry, uh, hospitality, or tech, man, the commitment is let's be there on Sundays. And if you can't be there, you're going to have to find someone else that can be there. You're, you're going to have to have somebody who can take over for you, that can do the work that you need to do. Right? Right? I, this is the ask all right i'm not good at this this is the ask all right and then we also need help with all of the above that whole list if you just if you're like man i can't i can't lead this but i can be a part of this i would love to know you can fill out a, a, a form online at restorationtc.com uh go all the way down to the bottom and i believe you can fill out a form please let us know please get in touch with us we would love to get in touch with you uh and, and then we also need help in in um community serving like when we do all these servings events outside of the church. We got Safe Harbor stuff when we do Feeding America, when we do Tarps for Pints, when we do any of these serving projects that we do outside of of the church. We need more help doing that kind of stuff. If you want to partner with Belle, uh, she leads that ministry. She does a wonderful job, Belle Allen. um, You can get in touch with her to do that. We also need help in kids' ministry. Restoration Minis, December's doing a great job. Lily is doing a great job taking care of our kids, but they need help. I would love for them to be able to sit and do a service every once in a while, you know? Um, And so would you prayerfully consider being a part of Restoration Church? You're where God's called you to be. Now are you doing what God's called you to do? This is our community. And I love this community. So, would you prayerfully consider one of those things? It's time to move into the city, take up residence, and get some work done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the love you have for us. God, thank you for what you've given to us. God, I pray that you would stir in people's hearts to do the work that you've called us to do. God, I'm sorry that I've tried to do this on my own. Please forgive my prideful heart. God thank you for who you are for the love you have for us God I pray that through all of these things you get the glory we 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 fade out and it's you that shines brightest Thank you for the love you have for us It's in your name in the name of Jesus we pray